Hello and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and today I got a very special guest. James, introduce yourself to the three people in the audience who don't know who you are. <laughs> Whoa, hey everyone, it's me, James from uh, Schaefer Ellis Productions. So, uh, I have a YouTube channel, uh, Hal edits for me, so, um... It's probably where most of you know me from, and yeah, I make videos on movies and TV shows, games, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Hey, speaking of movies, let's talk about one. A uh, Baby Driver, to be specific. All right. Uh, so, what was uh, what was your first like uh, introduction to Baby Driver? Like, did you watch it when it first came out in theaters? Uh, yeah, I did. I um. I forget if it was my first Edgar Wright film or not, but I think I might have seen, like, the other ones beforehand. And then I heard he mm-hmm. was coming out with a new movie. I, like, saw the cast look pretty neat. Like, the, the poster was really impressive. And I was like, oh, yeah, that seems like a really cool movie to check out. So I saw it in theaters, and it absolutely fucking uh, blew me away. It was just, like, I just loved the movie so much. Uh, when I first saw it, I saw it with uh, a couple. I took some of my other friends to see it in theaters a second time, uh, and that was it. Was just so great. I was like riding the high of that movie throughout the whole summer of 2017. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I never experienced it in theaters, uh, just because back in those days, like it was, like it was, I was very limited by what the what uh, movies I could go to, but uh, just because I for whatever reason i just didn't have the time or whatever but i did check it out eventually i think i saw the cornetto trilogy before i watched this um so i was already kind of familiar with edgar wright's stuff before i had seen it and even with seeing uh the cornetto trilogy and i think even i think i saw scott pilgrim before i saw this uh i still really loved it like when i first watched it i was like holy shit like this like editing can be like this yeah. like holy crap uh and i feel like i feel like i go through cycles with this movie where like i watch it i love it and then i don't watch it for a little while and i'm like oh was it really all that great and then i watch it again and i'm like oh yeah no it was that great and then i just it just kind of, it's like a cycle that keeps repeating and yeah. i definitely I'm starting to feel like my thoughts on it are definitely getting a little more cemented now with each watch through. I love it. I think it's an amazing film, but it's not my favorite right film. So I definitely feel like, but with that said, like I still think it's fantastic. Like, I mean, I mentioned the editing, but like, let's talk about the editing. Like, holy crap. You know, (laughs) know. it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. It's like, honestly, I think this was what the movie that really woke me up to how incredible film editing can be. It's like, I, I always, Same. yeah, I always loved editing because I just have like an editing background uh, as like a hobby. And so it's like mm-hmm. just the cuts in this movie are so tight and like so well synced to the music. Like it all flows together um, incredibly. It's like the editing, I think, is like the star of the show, honestly, that and the direction. Yeah. Like they're they're just so stylish and incredible they make the story flow really well just the action sequences are incredible because of like the way they cut between different shots and the way the sound is edited and like incorporated into it it's just oh my god so incredible 
Yeah, it takes the extra mile. Like you said, like it's a movie that really taught you the importance of editing, like the same thing. Like this like this taught me the importance of editing. Like I, I consider like a lot of movies from around that time kind of really waking me up to the importance of any aspect of filmmaking. Like Blade Runner twenty forty nine taught me the importance of cinematography. Like oh, yeah. but this especially like editing. Like I and watching it again this time, like it's not even just the editing, like just the way that things are shot is amazing. Like there's like the car chase at the beginning is edited phenomenally, but also the actual stunt driving of the car is also immaculate. So it's like it's both aspects to it. Like it's not just how you shoot the scene. It's like what's what goes on in order for the editing to take over. Like, I mean, and then you get the scene uh the opening credits when like baby's walking around the streets getting coffee for the other uh robbers like you have to plan that out yeah weeks and weeks of planning out because you have to like make sure the camera moves over like a tree at a certain point that has the words like yeah 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 it's just like so then it matches the song yeah just just seeing like how the lyrics are on like different like billboards or something or like graffiti just like and then yeah just timing that all like it, it's just like a marvel like that right there like cuz you know we obviously talk about how great the editing is but also that's just one continuous shot that's just like it really just Edgar Wright is just flexing as a filmmaker in both like the opening action scene and then this long take where it's like everything is so perfectly synced to the music and then there's just yeah. the background like supports it. Like it's just such an incredible like filmmaking achievement. Yeah. And I like that this definitely feels like a movie he would make later in his career after like experience, experimenting with these kinds of edits in his other movies. Cause I feel like he's done edits like that in his other movies, like Shaun of the dead. There's that scene when like, they're hitting that zombie with the pool sticks to the beat of don't stop me now by queen. Yeah. So obviously he's been toying with this for years and I feel like this was kind of the culmination of that kind of editing. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Like the uh, editing something along to music, like syncing it to the music and making sure, making sure every like impactful part of the song has like an impactful equivalent within like the actual scene. It's just like, it's really impressive. And like going back to that scene in Shaun of the dead, it's like, it's, it's a great scene, obviously, but it's still pretty, like, basic, and I, I yes. think what you uh, said about this being something in, that would definitely fit in his, like, later years as a director, like, that's absolutely true, because you can see, like, a evolution of what he can accomplish in, like, syncing uh, scenes to music from, like, just mm-hmm. comparing that shot in the dead scene to some of the in- insane shit in this movie. It, it's, like, right. just really amazing. Yeah, and I... I feel like we could like talk for hours on the editing, but I feel like another important aspect is, you know, how's the movie itself? Cause a movie can be edited really well, but like, how's the actual story and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've, I think that's one of the reasons why every time I kind of go a long time without watching this movie, I kind of forget about those aspects. Cause I'm always so impressed with the editing. Like, I mean, because that's the star of the show is the editing that you kind of forget like the story and characters. And it's just like, oh, were those ever that important? And it's like, I can't, like I said, I can't say it's my favorite in any right film, but I think it does its job well. Like I like the character of Baby enough. I like the other characters enough. I can't say it's the greatest uh, character study ever. I 
personally, while I think, I guess I like this presentation more, I think I consider somebody like Ryan Gosling's character in Drive a little more interesting just because that's what that movie is about. Whereas this movie's more about the presentation and the editing and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, like, I guess you could take that and then argue that the movie's kind of like style over substance. But like, I think mm-hmm. while the style does probably outweigh the substance, like, it's still like a really smart, like, screenplay. Like, there's so many recurring yeah. lines that like keep coming back over the course of the film. And then they're capitalized in really funny ways, like the fucking uh, Monsters Inc. joke. Like, you just see yeah. that. You see that on a TV. Just you and I are a team. And then he says that to Doc later on. And then he tries to pull the same line at the end of the movie. He's like, don't feed me any more lines from Monsters Inc. It's like, that's so funny. Like, just it's, building on that. It's funny. It's clever. It's, so, it's stuff like that that I see all the time in other movies that they just don't do very well. Like, I... I feel like a lot there are lots of movies that will just incorporate lines and scenes from other movies and they're just like winking towards the camera like oh look this is another movie you're familiar with it's like yeah yeah I know but like here it's actually done well yeah it's it's like the joke is not just the fact that you made a reference the joke is that he's like pissed off that he's trying to like feed him this line that he knows yeah. is a reference to something cuz he knows like what he's saying is bullshit because he doesn't trust him yeah it's beautiful and because he doesn't because i mean baby doesn't trust kevin spacey's character because he just is done with his bullshit so of course he's going to feed lines from something he saw on the t- on the tv yeah exactly like, yeah oh, and awesome I, yeah i like how it's also it's not just jokes there's also like character motivations that are like foreshadowed in very subtle ways like at the diner scene where they're like, you know, the the conflict is with like bats mainly. Like bats seems mm-hmm. like the dangerous one who's gonna cause trouble later on. And then you just mm-hmm. kind of like don't worry too much about uh, Buddy. Uh, but mm-hmm. then like uh, Darlene's giving that speech to bats about how like when like something bad when he sees red, like he is just filled with fury. And like you can see Buddy's actually like. It shows a shot of Buddy, and then it cuts to a shot of Baby, and it's, like, foreshadowing that Buddy's gonna have this, like, conflict with Baby later on, but, like, it's so subtle that you wouldn't even pick up on it the first time, because they've been so chummy, like, the whole movie, that, like, you wouldn't even think that's where it's gonna go. I did notice that this time around. That was awesome. I was just like, oh. And, of course, at the beginning when he's flipping through the channels, and it ends on, like, uh the matador and the bull being like oh the bull stand does not stand down when he sees the red or something like that yeah it was like foreshadowing to like the end when he's in the cop car and he's drenched in the red light yeah and then baby's in the blue light it's, it's just yeah. oh my god it's so smartly like it's written. like something out of empire strikes back yeah honestly like there's, there's so much symbolism there and it's so subtle it's not like in your face it's just so yeah brilliantly done and i love just the subversion of you thinking like bats is going to be like the final boss he's going to have to fight but then it turns out to be buddy because he wants revenge it's just oh my god it's so so clever how that's done yeah i i love that too um the music very good oh yeah Uh, it's incorporated very well i've actually been listening to like a bunch of the songs since watching it like the past couple of days ever since i rewatched this i've been listening to a bunch of the songs like i've listened to brighton rock by queen i'm like wow this is really really good yeah yeah that that one uh never never gonna give you up i listened to a lot after i watched the movie 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the intermission song, like the one that's playing when they're doing the final heist right before he kills bats. Like it, it just keeps ramping up. Like it, it some yeah. shit's gonna happen, and then it finally does. It's like it was such a good fit for the scene. Like I love how Edgar Wright doesn't go for like a ton of extremely popular songs. He goes for ones mm-hmm. that actually like fit the mood of each scene really well, and it's like a, a way of getting you interested in like new music that you've never heard before. So I yeah, just, I love that. That's something that I've noticed with like uh, a lot of uh, like kind of jukebox musicals, not jukebox musicals, but like movies that kind of incorporate a lot of popular songs. They'll just like, like the guardians of the galaxy movies. And I like those movies and I do like the songs that they feature, but it definitely does feel like they're just kind of using these songs just because they're popular and people know them. Like there was a time, like when guardians two came out and it was the, you know, Mr. Brightside was like the new meme at, at that time. Yeah. Um, and also, I was watching this because, like, I feel like every scene there's a different song playing. And I remember when I watched Cruella, how like it did that, where like it just put every sort of '70s rock song in every five seconds of the movie. And I was annoyed by that, even though I'm like a huge fan of '70s rock. But I'm like, this is so distracting. Like, why are you doing this every five seconds? Whereas <laughs> here, I'm not as annoyed because, well, one uh baby's always listening to music he always has his headphones in like that's kind of his character is always listening to the music so of course music is going to constantly be playing but it's not just constantly playing for the scene of for the sake of a scene like it's constantly playing and then it's incorporated really well like he takes out an earbud like you only hear like the left side of the song coming out of like the speakers like i love attention to detail like that like it's, it's incorporated cleverly yeah, yeah, the sound editing is really impressive, and yeah, I, I just love the the whole idea of him like using music to like drown out tinnitus. It's like pretty clever, and then like the connection with his mom and how there's like songs that he has an emotional attachment to because his mom used to sing them. Like it, it's really well done, like the songs that they mm-hmm. pick and the way they actually incorporate some of them into the story. Yeah, exactly. Um, trying to think, like, is there anything that I don't know, you don't like about the movie, I guess? Like, if we were going to talk about, like, criticisms? Yeah, see, um, you you mentioned that, like, each time you haven't seen the movie in a while, you, uh, like, start to wonder if it was that good, and then you rewatch it to reaffirm. Like, I mean, I'm I'm the same way over the past Mm -hmm. five years or so. Like, I've rewatched it again and again, and then, like, I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. But, I don't know, I feel like I was kind of giving some parts a pass when i shouldn't have because i was just like that mm-hmm. first viewing was so like fresh in my mind for even like years after just being so intoxicated by like the editing and the style of it all and all the clever parts of the script but there, right. there's just some things that just don't add up like deborah's entire motivation in this is just it doesn't really make sense to me that she's just because she's kind of like a bit underwritten where we don't really know yeah. why she'd be willing to like throw everything away and join with this criminal and like follow him anywhere like i know yeah. they're in love but like it, it's just a little weird because we don't know like why she is okay with all this like baby like shooting people and just being on the run forever like what what's her it, like life like that this is a step up from that like i, I don't know it just it it does seem like 
for the story's sake, like how they're just like, oh, we got to have her follow along because then she could be put in danger. Or like, oh, this is how the story's going. Like she needs to be there for baby. And it's just like, okay, but yeah, why is she following this crazy guy? Yeah. Like, why, why, why does she find it? charming when she's like hey you're gonna be my last customer i'm gonna go run some errands and he's like can i come and <laughs> she's like sure it's like uh yeah uh, uh, it's okay <laughs> it's, like... it, it's i don't know it's weird yeah i don't really know <laughs> it, it's she's a little underdeveloped and underwritten yeah. but i don't know the performance is good though Oh, yeah. Like, I remember when I watched this movie for the first time, like Lily James, I was only familiar with her work as Cinderella. And she, that was so she was so boring in that movie. Yep. Like, uh, now, now she gets to be in a real movie. Wow. I know. And then I watch her in a real movie. I'm like, oh, you're acting like you. I actually buy you as a southern lady. Like, wow, cool. Wow. You're, yeah. you're giving up performance. Amazing. That's cool. <laughs> wow. Something uh, you don't get from live action Disney remakes. <laughs> exactly yeah yep so that's yeah so that's something um the other thing that i noticed on this that like dragged it down a bit for me is that like the the stretch between the second and the third heist is really long which initially i was like okay with because i still like the character stuff going on there and like just the dynamics of the criminals playing off of each other is good but Mm -hmm. at the same time i just feel like they could have cut like a solid 10 to 15 minutes out of it and not missed anything. And specifically, uh, when Baby records the conversation where it's like, do we do this thing or not? It's like, why would he do that and, like, yeah. get in trouble? Like, that? I, I don't know. I still can't wrap my head around that. And then I realized, like, the whole thing after that, too, it's like, you really don't need that necessarily. Like, because they ultimately just decide they're still doing the heist anyway. So it doesn't really, yeah. like, change anything. Like, I feel like it could have tightened the script there. And, like, because this only really happens because Baby does something really stupid. And then it doesn't actually, like, amount to anything, really. So, I don't know. Yeah, what was the point of the tape recording? Like, I get that he used it to then make songs. But then it's like, okay, what did that actually amount to? Yeah. You know, it, it was just, like... I'm fine with it as just, like, a quirky, like, thing he likes to do. Like, that's fine and adds to the character. But then, like, when it becomes a source of conflict and then the conflict is just kind of resolved with the status quo, like, being the exact same afterwards. It was just, it just didn't really feel like it had a point. Yeah, it felt like a weird detour that just made the movie longer. Yeah, like, it really didn't need that. It could have been a little bit tighter at that part. Yeah, because then the the heist does end up going wrong, but not because of the tapes like it goes wrong because then uh well it actually goes wrong because baby sees because baby sees the teller in the back like heading to the post office and he's like don't go in there yeah so but like that was introduced in a different scene so like i just don't it's it's the tapes things like i don't know just i guess they just wanted to have a point to them but then it's like i don't know i don't know you could you could have not have it had a point to them yeah Whatever. I mean, I'm glad that the heist goes wrong because then it leads to that awesome chase scene. Yeah, so. chase scene. Honestly, like as great as the opening scene is, I think the chase scene is actually my like favorite. 
action scene yeah. in the movie. It's just like I, I love the song that's playing and everything synced up so well. Uh, in, in particular, that one part where he goes into like the mall and he goes into that one store that has like music playing, and then they mix the two songs together. Like that's just so cool. I, yeah, I had like the biggest smile on my face when I was watching this. I'm like, oh my god, I'm enjoying a movie. Like this was awesome. Movies are awesome. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knew? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I figured this time, like, because I've always. I've, I've listed Baby Driver as, like, one of my favorite films on Letterboxd for a while, and, like, at five stars, and it's, like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, after some time, like, it didn't feel justified putting it up there as not only one of my favorite films, but, like, as better than the other Edgar Wright films, because, like, Hot Fuzz and Scott Pilgrim, I both gave a nine to, and, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like those are stronger overall, because Baby Driver oh, yeah. has these script flaws, even though, like, from a technical standpoint, I think this is Edgar Wright's best work as a director and, like, in terms of the editing. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I, think, I think the script drags it down a little bit. I'd say maybe Scott Pilgrim is my new favorite Edgar Wright film. And then I don't know if this no is... Yeah, and I, I don't know hmm. if this is second or third to Hot Fuzz, but I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it at second. I don't know. I yeah, have, I... It's a weird opinion I have of, like, liking Scott Pilgrim and baby driver better than the cornetto trilogy i know most people don't but yeah no but i i see that i definitely see that i definitely do think hot fuzz is his best and i i i mean i think that's a pretty standard take but i can't help it i love hot fuzz with all my heart yeah it I, is incredible it's one of the greatest action films i've ever seen uh and i always kind of wondered because i always thought maybe baby driver could have been my favorite but like yeah like you said there are script flaws it's just but uh, like even with that i still consider like five stars like i still love it so much but i definitely do think hot fuzz is my actual favorite from edgar wright just because there's just so much more to love about that film yeah yeah baby driver very very good i agree it is definitely one of his best technical films um but i mean still like that's still pretty high praise as much as i can say like oh well it's not as good like it's still pretty damn good yeah no yeah no i still think this is an incredible film i i just i don't know i just can't really justify giving it five stars because of the script flaws but like I, sure. I think it just it really like left a big impact on me when i first watched it it, it got me really <laughs> interested in like analyzing film editing and how like good it can be or how terrible it can be so like i I think it's my like it's weird to say nostalgic connection to it because it only came out like five years ago but uh yeah i I just have like this connection to it i really enjoy it for that reason plus it's just a technically great film like yeah yeah i don't know It, it surprises me that like a ton of people don't like this one that much like I, I don't know. Like, I get not liking the story, but, like, how can you not appreciate just its technical aspects? Like, it, it's just insanely impressive, and, like, it puts most other, like, blockbusters to shame. I know. Yeah. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say about it? Um, I think that's about it. I just, yeah, I, yeah. I really love it, and, yeah, I have a nostalgic connection to it, so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, before we move on to the next film, I usually like to say at the end of every uh, film we talk about, whether it's a movie I don't own or if it's a movie I do own, like 
will it stay or will it add to my collection? So I actually do have baby driver here on Blu-ray. Um, and I'm, and I am definitely keeping it. It is a definite movie that I want to have in my collection, whether it's this actual Blu-ray, whether I get it on like a 4k, whether I get it on a steel book, I don't think it really matters. It's just something that's always going to be in my collection. Uh, do you collect physical releases of anything? Besides Epic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, copy of Epic 2013 is my prized possession, so I'll never yeah. give that up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really been collecting a ton of physical media. Uh, I really should, though, after all the uh, bullshit that's been going on with HBO Max and just oh, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe I should uh, get on that. I just, yeah. I, I do like the convenience of having everything digitally, but clearly that's not feasible uh forever yeah. so uh I, I collect a few things like i collect all the ghibli steelbooks except uh mm-hmm. earwig and the witch i refuse to buy like no yeah every, every right. time i see it in the store i'm just like fuck no I, yeah I, yeah why would you like what's the point of owning that yeah like, exactly ugh. but i have the rest of those that, that's just one of the like only a few types of things i collect so um mm-hmm. yeah i do have baby driver though because i obviously that was like I consider that one of my favorite films for a while, and it's it's still up there mm-hmm. for me. But yeah, so I have that uh, physically. I think just on awesome. DVD and Blu-ray. Nice. Okay. Well, I think we should move on then. Uh, that was a fantastic discussion of Baby Driver. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of fantastic, uh, let's talk about the other movie you wanted to talk about. Fantastic Mr. Fox from a different auteur that isn't uh, Edgar Wright, but Wes Anderson. Yeah. Uh, so, what's your history with Fantastic Mr. Fox? Did you like watch it as a kid, or like when did when did you first watch it? I didn't watch it as a kid. I don't remember when I first watched it. Uh, it, it wasn't my first Wes Anderson movie though, because I think my first was Grand Budapest Hotel and then Moonrise Kingdom. And then I just mm-hmm. kind of figured, like, I was kind of, like, working my way backwards. I think this was after Isle of Dogs came out, even. Uh, I'm okay. not a huge fan of that one, but I just kind of figured, mm-hmm. well, everyone says Fantastic Mr. Fox is great, so might as well check that out. Like, work my way backwards in his filmography. And so I, like, put it on one day, and yeah, it's just fucking fantastic. Yeah. A bit of a cliche to say, but it, yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> like, you really can't say anything else. Yeah. I mean... So, yeah, I, same thing. I didn't, uh, well, not same thing, like similar lines. I didn't watch it as a kid. Uh, I, I knew about it, but I just, I never got a chance to watch it. Um, and it wasn't my first either. I think, I'm pretty sure my first Wes Anderson film was Life Aquatic. Because uh, I watched it for like a college class or something like that. I can't even really remember. I just remember being uh, at school one day during like, between classes and i just had free time and i was just like oh i'll just watch life aquatic on netflix because i need to for a class and i really enjoyed it but i definitely feel like the more films i see from him uh the more i appreciate his other stuff and i think i don't remember how i came across this dvd that i own of it i think this was the first thing i ever watched it on and I don't think I really loved it when I first watched it. Like, I liked it a lot. And I'm like, wow, this is a really great film. 
but I feel like the more times I watch it, the more I appreciate it. And to the point that it is my favorite Wes Anderson film. It's one of my favorite stop motion films. It's one of the most uh, fascinating films to me, period. Just because uh, I have it on this really crappy children's dvd but then it's also in the criterion collection and it's on movie which is a streaming service for pretentious film assholes like me so like it's just like it's like a movie that anybody can enjoy and i feel like anybody can you know yeah yeah i I was thinking about that how like (laughs) weird it is that there's like there's people who only like watch like animated movies and they like kind of seem to have similar thoughts on them. Like, they just do these little montages of, like, different animated films they like, and then there's, like, fucking Ice Age 3 or something next to footage (laughs) of uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I'm like, why are you, like, mixing these two movies that couldn't be farther apart in quality? Like, it's it's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, like, it's, like, general, like, people who, um, like, enjoy animated films, like, regardless of their level of quality, like, they still really like this one. And then, like, film auteurs, I guess, like it. Like, general public seems to like it. Um, I found it funny that um, I I was like, okay, what streaming service is this on? And then I was like, oh, Disney Plus? Like, that's weird. Like That is weird, It's It's one of those movies that just feels wrong to be on Disney Plus. Like, this is way too artistic and, like, has too much of a vision to be on this platform. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Like, I I can buy stuff on Disney Plus, but, I mean, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, of course. I mean, because there are Disney movies that I love yeah. with all my heart, but I understand why they're on Disney Plus. Like and Beauty and the Beast, too, The Lion King, The Incredibles. Yeah. yeah. Pixar included. Yeah. Yeah. Of obviously. Course. Like, like the- it, it, yeah. Amazing films. But like this feels so different from Disney's like usual brand that it just yeah. like it, it was like jarring to like see it on this platform because it, it just it doesn't feel like it's a movie from any like animation studio or like a- anywhere really. It just feels like a Wes Anderson movie. And that's like, exactly. That, that, yeah. That's just so cool about it. And that's what I love about it. Like I, I'm, st- I definitely am not as big into Wes Anderson as I should be. And not because I don't like his stuff. It's just, I just haven't had the opportunity to really sit down and kind of watch his stuff with that in mind. Like I've watched through Edgar Wright's films and I appreciate his stuff. I've watched through Tarantino's films and I've appreciated his stuff. I've watched through a bunch of Hitchcock films and I've appreciated, like with the mindset that I'm watching their films to appreciate them. Whereas Wes Anderson, like I feel like I need to watch more of his stuff uh, period. Cause at this, at the time of recording this, like I think there's like three of his movies I have not seen. And that's bottle rocket, uh, Rushmore and Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, I, I haven't um, seen them either. Wait, uh, you cut out though. What was the first one you said? Uh, Bottle Rocket, which was his like first one. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. I haven't seen anything like pre Fantastic Mr. Fox. I've only seen his more recent stuff. But yeah, I, I okay, think I, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like, it's like his style can be kind of like overwhelming if you just jump into like one of his later movies and it's just so like quirky and like picture perfect like the way everything is framed and shot like it's obviously visually incredible but it's also just like a little jarring compared to like regular movies but i I think i think you get a better perspective for it when you like watch his earlier stuff and see like how his style evolved because he didn't like fully start out like right out the gate with 
being all Wes Anderson-y, because, like, he had to first, like... Having every- yeah, build up everything, a having everything like all symmetrical and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah. I, I've from from what I've heard, his older films have more like imperfections in them, and they're not like perfectly framed and everything, or like yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like it, it's probably interesting to like see that uh, growth over time instead of just jumping into one of the new ones where it's just like so pristine and like yeah. perfectly yeah. shot and everything. But I kind of like that about his movies. Like, I like when a movie likes to separate itself from other movies. So, like, I, I and I know that's a bit of a criticism for him where people are just like, oh, he makes the same style of movies. It's like, yeah, but I kind of like that style. I like how it's very, uh, what's the word, like, matter-of-fact. Like, a lot of characters talk, like, matter-of-factly, how they're just, like, they, they take things, like, not so seriously, but like it's hard to explain. But you know what I'm saying, like yeah. how just just the way that characters talk in his movies, it's it's really funny. It is, and and the and the way that like everything's filmed and stuff like that. And even if yeah, it's similar in every single one of his movies, I still like that. I like that I can describe them as Wes Anderson films, and I like how. I can still have fun with that. And I feel like this movie, the reason I like that style so much is that you see those in his live action movies, but like this is an animated film and it's still able to capture that kind of essence to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely feel the same way about his style. I really love it. And um, yeah, I, I, I like this one in particular because like, yeah, even though it's animated, like it, it does have that distinct look. And I think, I think it comes down to, like, it being stop-motion animation and, like, all the sets feel so, like, handmade. It's, like, his movies are, like, dioramas where everything's, like, perfectly Mm -hmm. arranged. And, like, with something that's stop-motion animated, I mean, that's literally, like, a diorama. Like, he can literally, like, make the set exactly how he wants it to be. And, like, the character designs can be exactly how he wants them. And it's just, like, it's so cool. Like, him and stop-motion animation are, like, a match made in heaven. And that's that's just like what I really love about this one. Like I love just the style and how everything looks, and I love just the character designs, just their expressions. Like their expressions, yeah, yeah. It's it's just so impressive technically, and the script as well. Like like you said, like the Wes Anderson dialogue and how matter of factly it is. Like it's just so funny. Like the the character interactions in this one just kill me. There are a lot of funny lines in this movie, and it's not like funny haha it is just like funny like just humorous i I think is the better is a better word to describe it it's a very humorous kind of movie yeah exactly Uh, it's kind of like dry humor almost i i like the scene uh, i'm just remembering i like the scene when uh uh they're underground and they meet badger and the beavers and the the beaver's son goes up to uh ash and uh uh, Christopherson, and he's just like, we don't like your dad, so we don't like you. <laughs> and like now, s- s- like start eating mud, and he's like, but I don't want to. And then he just puts mud in his face, yeah. and then Christopherson just like takes off his shoes. He's like, why did you take off your shoes? He's like, so I don't break your nose when I kick it. And it's just like, it's yeah, just the way that I know. It's, it's so it's, funny. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, just how matter of fact everyone is. Just oh my god, their interactions. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And then, uh, what's his name? Kylie? This is like his, uh, like badger friend. 
Yeah, the opossum. Yeah, Kylie. Or the opossum. Yeah, sorry. Get mixed up. Uh, every time he's just staring at him with, like, the swirly eyes, that just fucking yeah. slays me. <laughs> he's just like, I, I feel like I'm, you're never, like, hearing anything you're, I'm telling you. It's just, yeah. I don't know why. Every time, I just love that. And I like I like how that joke comes back in the end when Kylie asks Fox, he's like, are you okay? After Fox was just chased by the the dog with rabies and he has the squirrely eyes yeah. and, he's, and he does like the kylie thing where he like salutes him it's like <laughs> it's so good uh, it's yeah. like oh that that's t- taking a joke from earlier and actually expanding upon it you know yeah. some, something that baby driver didn't do with the tapes so <laughs> no yeah but, uh, it's so clever I, I, yeah. I like uh, too, like uh, the mentioning the wolf and how he's like afraid of wolves, and then like at the end he sees the wolf and just has like a regular conversation with it. Like I, I like that too because it's calling back to something, but also it's like I don't know, maybe I'm wrong <laughs> off with my interpretation of it, but I think it's like showing that he's faced so many like dangers that he's not really like afraid of talking to the wolf anymore. Like I, mm-hmm. I think he mentions in the scene that he still has that phobia, but like I don't, I don't know, it's like. After he's come so far, after all this time, like he's he's just fine talking to the wolf, and like that that scene just in particular, it's just I like the vibes of it. Like it's, yeah. it, it has no relevance to the plot, but it just like it has a great like feel to it. Like just from one legend to another, I tip my hat to you. Like that, yeah, line in Rango. Like when the wolf I, like waves to him. Yeah, and I do like that scene because like I feel like because it's like it's Fox the whole time is just like saying these sentences he's trying to communicate with the wolf and the wolf is just not saying anything yeah and like fox at the end just like raises his fist up and then the wolf does the same thing and it's like it's like that's how they communicate it's like that's great because like he can talk all he wants he's not really going to get through to the wolf but like if he just raises his fist it's like he gets it like i like that i like i like visual stuff like that how you can just interpret whatever you want with that like that's awesome yeah no that yeah that was fantastic just like Mr. Uh, Fox. Just like Mr. Fox. I was... I, I think I remember when I first watched this, I was kind of skeptical on, like, the human designs. Because I feel like... I feel like with most animal-centric stuff like this, the human designs aren't always the greatest. Like, you think back to, like, early Pixar, how, like, the toys and the fish and the monsters and all those movies were, like really good they're really well designed characters and then you get like the human characters in the background that are just like oh okay like they're not that great but i kind of like the human designs in this movie yeah i, do too. I think i think bogus bunsen bean are like i i like the way that they're animated i like the way because it matches their personalities really well and they're just really really interesting characters and they don't get a ton of screen time but like you still get what they're about just from like their character design and stuff like that. Yeah. They're like really expressive and they have a lot of really funny lines and moments here and there. <laughs> I, I love the ransom note they send and it's like, why would they send a ransom note? Like we know who they are. Like, <laughs> yeah. like why would and they send those like, letters out? Yeah. Why, <laughs> and then would, they get why would they a ransom note back and they're like, Why would you send a, a yeah. ransom note with letters cut out? And it's like, Well, we did the same thing. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of really funny yeah. moments with them. Oh, it's Yeah. The scene where he like freaks out and destroys the room. It's just Oh god, it was animated beautifully. It's yeah. like how long did that take to animate? Because it's stop motion. Yeah. Oh, I was amazed at some of the like effects, like the explosion effects, like whoa, like how did they 
make those. Like, I really want to watch, like, a behind-the-scenes documentary of how this came together. Yeah. I don't know. Like, watching it, it's, like, it doesn't... Like, it's not obviously stop-motion, but it, like, feels real. Like, this yeah. whole world, like, feels so real. Like, this stuff is actually happening. Like, it, it's, like, I I'm, I'm can't picture, like, these little characters being moved by people in the real world. Like, it, it's just, it's so impressive. It just sucks you in. The effect that really got me was, like, the waterfall in the sewer. Oh, when, like, yeah. like, Fox goes to, like contemplate he's on that bridge and in the background you just see this like huge waterfall like behind i'm just like how did they do that like what is that is that like an effect or did they actually animate water like yeah i'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm perplexed it's so cool yeah I, I just love the shot where they're all like in the water like spinning around and going through like the different tunnels like that that shot is so cool yeah i, th- I think they repurposed a sh- similar shot like that in that one scene in isle of dogs too yeah my memory's a bit fuzzy on that movie, but yeah, I think I mine too. Because just because I, I mean, yeah, we could probably talk about how Isle of Dogs gets compared a lot to this movie because it's Wes Anderson's other animated film, and yeah, I like Isle of Dogs visually. I've never really been too keen on it story wise and character wise. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. Especially the third act, how like the last act in that auditorium, it's just like everything's coming together, but it feels sloppily done. It's like, what is going on? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that movie never clicked with me outside of the visuals. But yeah, th- this one, on the other hand, though, I, I'm behind yeah. everything. Like the story's great. Just the, the dialogue is so witty. It just looks incredible. Like just, oh my God. Every actor is casted perfectly. Yeah. Like George Clooney as a sly fox. Yeah, uh, he was great. Meryl Streep as his, as his wife. You got Jason Schwartzman as the son. He's great. He was so I, funny. I think it was yeah. one of my favorite performances in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Christopherson is voiced by... I forget. I think it's like Eric Chase Anderson. I... He hasn't been in a lot of stuff. He's mostly been in a bunch of, like, Wes Anderson stuff. Oh, um, yeah. I, okay, I'm on Wikipedia. He's actually Wes Anderson's brother. So You know what? That's interesting. I he- was thinking there was some sort of connection. It was the Anderson part that really got me. Yeah. I, I just wanted to mention, because, like, so on the DVD that I have for Fantastic Mr. Fox, you know, it lists a bunch of the actors at the top. It makes sense. George Clooney, Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, obviously. You put those people. It puts Owen Wilson in the top. It, like it, it, it lists Owen Wilson like as one of the major players. He's only in one scene as yeah. the coach. <laughs> yeah, like, I never got that. I, I don't know. That is weird. Well, that's not true. I do get why because Owen Wilson's a bigger name. Yeah. But like, I think it's, I think it's a shame because Christopherson is featured on this box. But his act, his VA isn't like I just never got that. I just never really thought that was cool. Like I'm yeah, just like, yeah, that on. is a real shame. Like they always want to promote like the biggest names, I suppose. And I get it. Like, but you know what? Like, why would you put Owen Wilson and not like Willem Dafoe? Yeah, because like Willem Dafoe plays a much more prominent role than the coach. Sure, he's only in like what two scenes, but like yes, that's it's more than that's, one. That's more than one. And Willem Dafoe and I love Owen Wilson unironically ironically whatever you want to say but like i mean he just does whatever whereas willem dafoe even as an animated rat 
is fantastic. Like he he brings oh us all. Oh my god, he was so fucking good. Like at first, I didn't like know if that was him or not. Like even though this was my like second time watching the movie, I was like, is that him? Because it's like it's like a southern accent, and I've never heard Willem Dafoe do that. But it's just he nails it, and it's just such a great sinister voice. Like I I love that he can do like. A voice that's not exactly like his own. Like, as much as I love Willem Dafoe's regular voice, and as much as that would have, like, worked for this character perfectly, it's like, mm-hmm. the southern accent is just so great. Like, I just... Oh, my God. I just love this so misery, much. Misery, misery, misery. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's, like, anything else. I mean, like I've been saying, this DVD that I have of it, it's really kind of crappy the more i look at it like it has a bit of like sticker smulch still on it It, the bottom of it says rental exclusive and i'm wondering was this once like a rental dvd because like i'm not seeing a logo for blockbuster or anything it's like what how did i how did i even buy this i don't even remember how i bought this fucking thing (laughs) it's like it's so strange to me and also when i was watching it like i had to skip through like a whole shit ton of trailers just because it was a bunch of trailers from like 2010 movies i think there was one like it was like a steve carell movie called like date night or something like that i don't even remember but i'm like why is this being advertised at the beginning of fantastic mr fox yeah i don't i don't get it weird i don't understand i it's like it's times like these where i'm like man this movie deserves so much better so i I don't know was there anything else you wanted to say about fantastic mr fox um i think i just wanted to say that like I, i i always felt bad that like in 2009 when the oscars came around like up was the animated movie that got a best picture nomination because i just like i don't know i like up i think it's good but like Mm -hmm. this is just like so much better in my opinion like this this movie i I really wish could have gotten a best picture nomination like wes anderson has prestige as a filmmaker like i think it could have been up for best picture but definitely up for best picture (laughs) pun uh for best picture yeah it's it's one of those things where like it's definitely an early case of oh we have to nominate the Pixar film but then yeah. I mean Up is certainly better than a lot of modern Pixar movies that definitely got the nomination when they shouldn't have but I think you're right this definitely should have won whereas Up I mean I'm not pissed that Up won but like, yeah like I I don't mind either but like well not too much but like yeah. I don't know. Like, well, Pixar wins, like, every year at the Oscars for Best Animated Feature. So, like, I don't know. Would have been nice. But I know it's unrealistic. They're always just going to vote for Pixar and, you know, their opinion doesn't matter because they don't even watch the movies. But Of course, yeah. At the the end of the day, like, like, who cares? Like, oh, it didn't win Best Animated Feature. Like, uh, whatever. Like, I, I I think I'll still sleep well tonight knowing that it didn't do that, you know? Because I, I think it's still a, an appreciated movie. Like, people yeah, love this movie. Yeah, everyone loves it. It is on the Letterbox Top 250, and then Up isn't. So there's that, I guess. Yeah. It'll yeah, always so. have that. <laughs> uh, you hear that, Oscars? Really Letterboxd is better than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, Not I don't a high margin. Like, pit, pit two good movies against each other like this. I, I just, no, of course. I've always thought this was the best animated movie of 2009 by a landslide. So I just yeah. wanted to put that out there. Yeah, I I definitely 
I, I don't even think this is like my favorite stop motion movie, but I it's definitely up there. I think me personally, I'm more of a fan of Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run just because I grew up with that kind of stuff. So like I'm more inclined to appreciate that stuff more. But yeah, I still valid. think Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of the best stop motion animated films ever made. And I think it's one that definitely shows the strengths of that type of medium. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so impressive, like, the way it was animated. And it's, like... Because when you think stop-motion animation, usually, like, my mind goes to, like, claymation. Because that's what, like, stuff like Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run is. But, like, with this, like, I I love the way these puppets are designed. And just, like, it's so impressive that it doesn't doesn't feel like stop-motion animation at times. Like I said, it just feels real. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Yep. So, so I guess to round off this discussion, am I keeping this Fantastic Mr. Fox DVD or not? I'm not. Not because uh. I don't like the movie, but just because I don't think... I, I feel like I can own the movie on a better thing than this. Like, I would love, like, the Criterion release of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Like, that oh, would yeah. be freaking awesome. Uh, even just, like a nicer blu-ray would be nicer than this you know it's just it's there are better i feel like this is a movie i respect it too much for it to just be on some crappy 2010 dvd so yeah it's 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 a definite not keep from me but it's a definite keep in the collection somehow yeah awesome yeah okay uh i think that about does it for fantastic mr fox so Let's get into the wrap up. James, uh plug whatever you want to plug. All right. So, uh you can find me at Shaferless Productions. Uh it's where mm-hmm. most of my videos are. Uh but also I stream with uh Chris and my other friends uh every Sunday and Monday night on the channel Space Chris 7, so you can uh find us there. And uh yeah, I guess it's about uh, and we have a podcast as well, me, Chris and uh, the rest of our gang called a uh, shiny cast. So find that uh, YouTube channel as well. And yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter too. That's about it. Nice. Yeah. I'll be sure to link all of those at some point. Okay. I'd say that about does it for everything. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, James, for coming on this podcast. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Until next time, I'll see you all next time, whenever that'll be.